When Barna Research did some recent polls, they asked people if you could ask God one question, what would you ask Him? And people responded, why is there so much evil and suffering in the world? In Mark chapter 12, Jesus does a Q&A session with the religious leadership, and He's asked questions about taxes, life after death, and the greatest commandment of all. We get to hear what Jesus says about all three. That's today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. This has been called by historians the single greatest shaping statement of Western civilization. Because Jesus Christ made a a comment about how society should work. And he did answer and he'd say, look, it's right to pay taxes because taxes do keep the government going and they, they fund things that are important to a society. They help keep order and, and of course, fu- some financial stability. But he, but he said something that we need to pay attention to that's even more important. We are to render to God the things that belong to God. And look, this is the more important thing for us, is that we have an obligation to God. And when a society forgets its obligation to God, when it does not render to God the things that belong to God, think about it, brothers and sisters, a coin has an image, and that coin may, may uh, you know, uh, depict something, a, a human leader that will so, soon be dust, but you have an image imprinted on you. You bear the image of who? Almighty God. It's what sets you apart from the animals and even the angels. You bear the image of your maker, and by virtue of your humanity, you have an obligation to him to render to God the things that belong to God and what belongs to God is you. And if a society answers this question properly, if a man or a woman in a modern age answers this question properly, what do I owe to God? Everything. Myself, my family, my finances, my time. And if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he will add all these other things to you. You see, the problem with the society is not the taxes or the other things. The problem is that as image bearers, we owe God everything and we hold back most of it. Do you agree? As a Christian, we struggle with this, right? The people in the society are asking questions like, who cares what God says? There are people who are in institutions of learning at some places that used to actually stand for God that dismiss everything pretty much that's in the Bible. Dismiss the authority of Jesus Christ. Ah, that doesn't matter anymore. So Jesus, of course, makes, I think, the most important statement is really about us. We owe everything to God. We bear his image. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Even if we own land, it's his. If we have children, they're his. But we don't like that. <laughs> we, we sometimes say, what, what do you mean by that? Have you ever had somebody say to you, you give how much of your money to the church? 10%? Are you kidding me? They're blown away by that. Oh, oh, 10%? 
Yeah, and we struggle with that too, amen? <laughs> 10%, right? But really, what we owe God is so much more. You know, God said many times to the children of Israel, look, just keep, keep your animals, keep, if I could put it this way, keep your money, because what I really want is your heart. And if I've got your rituals and I don't have your heart, you're wasting your time. It's a problem with us as humans. And so the next group comes up <laughs> after the first group was amazed. The next group in line, step right up, next. <laughs> this is, uh, is kind of what we used to do at the racquetball court. We'd have a challenge court, and you'd beat the challenger, and after they lost, you just wait for the next opponent to come, next. <laughs> I think that's what Jesus is doing. And here come the Sadducees, verse 18, Mark 12. They said there was no resurrection, and they came to him. And they began questioning him. And they are going to share a story with him. The Sadducees were kind of like the liberal religious guys of the day. And they accepted the first five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, but nothing else. And so they looked in those books, and they had their own scribes, they had their own scholars, and they said, I don't see evidence of a resurrection here. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. They should have known better, because Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. That's pretty good evidence of a resurrection, amen? And he said, I am the resurrection. I don't just teach about it. I am the resurrection and the life. They came to him. They began questioning him. Here come the Sadducees. Uh, they, some people see them as a political faction as well as a religious group. They were the naturalists of the day where the Pharisees believed in angels and the resurrection. They were more conservative theologically. The Sadducees were more liberal. They're the, they were the guys that were interviewed on the ABC specials at Easter time. You know, they would say, do you believe that Jesus literally rose from the dead? Well, no, Jesus, no, it wasn't literal. It was metaphorical. Jesus was just a change agent in his day. He didn't really rise from the dead. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. He predicted his own death and resurrection, so by virtue of that statement, they called Jesus a liar. You realize these guys that sound so smart on these programs aren't that smart. They, they just deny pretty much every fundamental doctrine. And so they come with a question, and they probably asked it pretty smugly. They said, teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, this is called the Leveret Law from Deuteronomy 25, 5 and 6. You might want to write it down. We're going to move quickly through this. But basically, if a man got married and he died, uh, the, the law of Moses said, okay, there's no children. So they, the, he marries his wife and there's no offspring. His brother was supposed to marry her and the first offspring, male offspring, was supposed to be named for that husband so his name would not die. So that's the Leveret Law, Deuteronomy 25, 5, and 6. So they come and they said, now Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves behind a wife and leaves no child, his brother should take the wife and raise up offspring to his brother. That's true. There were seven brothers, so they break into their own story. Seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died. Now, that may scare some of you. That's not the normal thing that happens, just so you know. You don't take a wife and die, so don't isolate that. That scared anybody. He took a wife and died. I, I mean, that just kind of jumped out at me. No. <laughs> if, the Bible actually says if you find a wife, you find a good thing. Amen? 
It's wonderful to have the beautiful wife that I have. She is so wonderful and so faithful. And so the story says and he left no offspring. We don't know how long he was married, but there's a, a story in the book of Tobit. It's an apocryphal book that tells a story of a, a woman who married seven brothers, the book of Tobit, if you're interested. And on the wedding night, in each case, a demon showed up and killed each of the husbands. Can you imagine that? On your wedding night. Dead. Book of Tobit. Did they pull this from the book of Tobit? We don't know for sure. But it's a scary story. It might have been one of those scary novels of the day. Book of Tobit. (laughs) Dead. (laughs) Wedding night. So, we're not sure, but notice the second one took her, verse 21, and died, leaving behind no offspring. The third, likewise. Now, if you're number four, (laughs) would you be asking some serious questions? Like, someone tastes my oatmeal and... I'm going to watch you, see what it does. So you have the third, and then 22 says, all seven left no offspring. Last of all, you might want to put in your Bible, finally, (laughs) the woman died also. So all seven are dead, then she dies, and here's their question. Now they, they think they've got him, right? In the resurrection... When they rise again, which one's wife shall she be? For all seven had her as wife. I would answer, who wants her? (laughs) In the resurrection, I'd be running if I saw her. (laughs) Amen? But anyway, to go back to the story. See, they think this is awesome now. All seven had her. So, okay, Jesus, if there is a resurrection, which one is she married to in the afterlife? And they think, oh, this is, this is it. We got him. In the Mormon church, there is a teaching where they say your marriage is sealed for time and eternity in the temple and that you have a forever family. And so it's the idea that you're going to be married in the afterlife. And just a side note, The Mormon church has taught over the years that women who enter into this eternal state are eternally pregnant. So, just so you know, (laughs) in case you've ever (laughs) decided you wanted to check out that uh, movement, you might want to consider that eternally pregnant, which would drive the husband crazy too because she'd be asking for pickles and... Honey at midnight and all that. (laughs) Jesus said to them, 24, Is this not the reason you are mistaken, that you don't understand the Scriptures or the power of God? Once again, the first question Jesus says, You hypocrites, why are you testing me? Second question, He says, You're mistaken. You don't understand the power of God. You don't understand the Bible. These are the religious experts of the day. You don't understand the Bible. You don't understand the power of God. Do you think that could be our problem? Oh, I love these stories because I, I, can, I can look at the Pharisees and say, man, what's wrong with those people? Right? Don't you love stories like that where you can say, what's wrong with him or her? And then you go, wait, wait a minute. Do I understand the Scriptures and the power of God? Is that how I really live my life? 
Hey folks, we'll be back to the teaching in about 30 seconds. I want to tell you about our brand new store at walkintruth.com. We have a lot of great products up there and we have a new product. It's called Dark Dangers of the Occult, where we actually look at the subject of demon possession, which comes up a lot in the Gospel of Mark. Go to walkintruth.com, purchase your copy today of Dark Dangers of the Occult, and when you do, you'll be partnering with us at Walk in Truth. Thank you so much, and now back to the teaching. Jesus said to them, 24, Is this not the reason you are mistaken, that you don't understand the Scriptures or the power of God? Once again, the first question Jesus says, you hypocrites, why are you testing me? Second question, he says, you're mistaken. You don't understand the power of God. You don't understand the Bible. These are the religious experts of the day. You don't understand the Bible. You don't understand the power of God. Do you think that could be our problem? Oh, I love these stories because I, I, can, I can look at the Pharisees and say, man, what's wrong with those people? Right? Don't you love stories like that where you can say, what's wrong with him or her? And then you go, well, wait a minute. Do I understand the scriptures and the power of God? Is that how I really live my life? So Jesus says, for when, verse 25, not if, but when they rise from the dead, Jesus says there's a resurrection. Not if, but when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels. They're like angels. It's a simile. They are, not, they are not angels. They're like angels in heaven. When you go to heaven, you don't end up becoming an angel. You don't end up becoming somebody's guardian angel. Aren't you glad? I don't want to be anybody's guardian angel. Right? <laughs> you become like the angels. What are angels like? They commune with God. The good angels commune with God. They see God's face and they don't die. In the resurrection, there's no death. Jesus says, we won't die again. Amen? But we're not going to get married. And for some of you, you know, you may be secretly rejoicing right now. There's no marriage in heaven. Just don't show it to your spouse right now. It's not a, not a good career move. So, some of you may be bummed. You're thinking, wow, I'm not going to be married to my spouse you know, we have marriages in here that have lasted 50, 60, 70 years. You're like, wow, what's that going to be like? Will, will I know him or her in the resurrection? Yes, you will. We'll all have name tags. <laughs> you will. <laughs> is, that, is that you? I think the most confusing thing is going to be that I think in the resurrection we're going to be in our prime, around 18 to 20 Perhaps taller, I don't know. Some of us have forgotten how good looking we were back in the day. Or our spouses have forgotten, right? You ever, uh, some of us have had this, this situation where we, you know, we met someone when they were older. And, and so, and, and I've, I've stood over many caskets and at many memorial services and they show a picture of grandpa or grandma. And then they show a picture when grandpa and grandma were younger. And the grandchildren are like, no, no, that wasn't, really? <laughs> yeah. And then they go, uh-oh. <laughs> that means we all get older, right? Yeah. Just wait. <laughs> but regarding the fact, 26, that the dead rise again, it's what? 
a fact. Have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the burning bush? That's the book of Exodus chapter 3. How God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. What did God make with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? He made what? A covenant. He's the covenant-keeping God. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are greatly mistaken. You see, these guys only believed in the first five books of Moses, and so Jesus goes to Exodus. Amen? This is where they, they said they believed. And when God or the angel of the Lord said to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, I am the God of Jacob, they were all dead. That was from the book of Genesis. Moses is at the burning bush in the book of Exodus. He's going back to try to rescue the uh, people of Israel. And God says, not I was the God of Abraham. He says, I am. In Luke 16, who do we see in uh, this in-between scenario uh, where the uh, Lazarus dies and the rich man dies, they are in Abraham's what? Bosom or side. Father Abraham, Luke 16. Take a look at it, verses 19 through 31. Moses shows up on the mount of what? Transfiguration. God is not the God of the dead. If he was the God of the dead, and if the Sadducees' view of the afterlife is true, which is non-existence, that you go out of existence, how could God be true to his covenant if those guys are dead never to rise again? Think about it. He made an eternal covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If they're dead, what good is that covenant? Was it only for this lifetime? Oh, no. Jesus said, people who you think are not worthy, they're going to sit down in the kingdom of God with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you're not going to be there. Jesus said to the religious leaders, wow. You see, they are very much alive. Abraham's alive. Isaac's alive. Jacob's alive. Moses is alive. I am the God, not of the dead, but of the living. Do you know that when your eyes shut and you breathe your last, this side of heaven, if you will, you are still going to live? Do you know loved ones that you have said goodbye to who were believers are very much alive? They're probably more alive than they ever have been before. This is the hope we have. Jesus said the resurrection is a fact. It's not fiction. And in a couple days, he's going to prove it, right? He's going to go to the cross and then he's going to rise. Now we're on limited time, but I'm going to take us to the third question because it's the most important of all and we'll just look at it briefly verse 28 one of the scribes not sure if he's a pharisee or sadducee came and heard them arguing and recognized that recognizing that he had answered them well so i assume he's from the pharisees because they believe in the resurrection he asked him what commandment is the foremost or most important of all some commandments are more important than others you guys there are some commandments that are greater than others. They have greater weight, greater importance. The Jews had 613 commandments and subcommandments. Then they were boiled down to 10 commandments and really boiled down to two. And we know what they are, right? Jesus answered 29, the foremost is Hero Israel. This is the Hebrew Shema from Deuteronomy 6.4. The Lord our God, He is one Lord. There is one God straight from the lips of Jesus. You can write down Deuteronomy 6, 4. Look at verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God, that one true God, with all, not some, all of your heart, with all of your soul, 
all of your mind and all of your strength. You see, you are an image bearer and that's what you owe Him. You owe Him all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And the second is this, and it's like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's from Leviticus 19.18. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, Right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one. He, uh, he won't name the name of God because the Jews had so much respect for God's name. And that there is no one besides him. They would just simply call him the name, Hashem. And to love him, 33, with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered, how? Intelligently. Wisely, intelligently. Do you know, God does care that we answer intelligently. You don't have to check your brain at the door when you come to church. God wants you to love him with all your intellectual capacities. Some of you in this room should be studying apologetics. Some of you should be learning the ancient languages. Some of you should be reading church history right now. Because you're going to be a scholar or a pastor or a missionary or an evangelist who's going to change the world. Do you believe that? And God wants you to be intelligent. He wants you to love Him with all of your mind. To be studied up. And Jesus said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. 34. And after that, no one would venture to ask Him any more questions. (laughs) Love it. The most important thing that puts everything else in perspective is to love God. This is the way you could put this, simply put. And don't hold back anything. To love your neighbor and don't hold back anything. You know, some of you, you can't even say I love you to somebody. It scares you. You just don't know how to say it. Some of you have not heard it for a while because the people around you are wounded people and they just don't know how to do it. And we hold back things from God. And sometimes we're in a conversation with a friend and a a friend starts bringing up spiritual stuff or stuff that we know we could give an answer for the hope that we have and we hold back. Why? Because we don't always love God the way we're supposed to. And we don't always love others the way we're supposed to. If this land is going to heal, if our churches are going to heal, it's going to be because we start loving God with everything that we are and loving people as we love ourselves. And that's our problem. We don't do either one very well. And I would send you away on that thought, but I'm not that mean. (laughs) Since we're talking about love. Do you know that's why Jesus is about to die on the cross? He didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He came because I don't love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I don't love my neighbor as myself. In fact, the people that we often say are the closest people to us, that we would die for that person, that's often where we fail. And do you know why Jesus came? Because we don't love God or others the way we're supposed to. We've broken the law. The essence of the law is to love God with everything you are and to love people with everything you are. And we fail. We see it every single day. 
We struggle with it. And Jesus Christ came to demonstrate God's love. You see, he loved God with everything that he was, and he laid down his life to love his neighbor as himself, to love you. You understand this is what the gospel is about? Boiled down to its simplest terms, this is where we fail. We don't love God with everything we are. We don't love our neighbor as ourselves. And that's why Jesus died on the cross, because all of us have sinned, and we all fall short of the glory of God. Father, would you bow with me? Help us to realize that that's why you came, that God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, forgive us for the many times that we have held back the love that you deserve. We've given you second, third, fourth, fifth best. And we've often held back the love that people so need from us because we just struggle with ourselves, with our flesh, the enemy. God, we need a fresh touch from your Holy Spirit. We know the fruit of the Spirit is love, but we so struggle to offer our best. Sometimes we feel like we're just out of energy. Some people in this room don't feel like they have any more to give. And that's when we're going to need you to love through us, Lord. We're going to need to hear the words of the Apostle Paul afresh. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and through me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. With your heart and head bowed, if you've not met Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He loves you. God so loved the world that He, he gave His Son. If you would believe in Him, you won't perish. You'll have everlasting life. You'll, you'll be resurrection, resurrected to a resurrection of life when you die. When you die, you'll go to heaven, and then on the day of resurrection, you'll be resurrected. And You can know that life right now, so don't let anything stop you. Don't let your pride, self-sufficiency stop you. If you need to rededicate your life, you can do some business with God and just say, Lord, I believe. Forgive me. Thank you for dying on that cross. Pray it right now if it's you. Thank you for your resurrection from the dead. Thank you for saving me. I trust you. Maybe you need to renew that trust today. Maybe you need a touch of increased faith. May the Lord meet every need. Lord, may you meet every need in this room. May you wash over your people. May you encourage the person who just opened their heart to you. We just want to say we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael. Really appreciate you tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Just want to remind you about our store at walkintruth.com. We have a lot of new products up there, a lot of exciting topics with apologetics and studies of different subjects. One of the things that's up there right now is the anatomy of a fall, how to avoid a fall into sexual sin like King David did. A lot of practical teaching in that particular message. And I want you to go to walkintruth.com, click on the store. When you purchase any of the products, you partner with us in Walk in Truth to reach more people with the truth of Jesus Christ. If you believe in this ministry, that's one of the ways that you can partner with us. We appreciate very much you listening. Tell a friend about what you're hearing. Partner with us in prayer and go to the store and partner with us in giving. We appreciate it. God bless you. And we'll catch you next time on Walk in Truth. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message in its entirety, or if you'd like to visit our church here in Corona, California, visit our website, walkintruth.com.